Welcome to the Knox Podcast, featuring a sermon from the pulpit of the Knox Evangelical Presbyterian Church, located in Kenmore, New York. Psalm 119 is the largest chapter in the Bible. This chapter is longer than the entire books of Obadiah, Jude, and 2 John. 176 verses. 22 stanzas. 2,500 words. The length is indeed intimidating but it is rich and worthy of study and emulation. In today's sermon, the eighth in the series, When a Real God Meets a Real Life, entitled, Our Hiding Place, Pastor Justin calls on us to find comfort in God. When things are going wrong. When life is a challenge. God is waiting for those in Christ to come to Him to receive comfort, and He promises we will never leave dissatisfied. We're going to be reading verses 113 through 128 today. We're getting there. I appreciate your patience. Hopefully it has also been very beneficial to your soul to be studying this incredible psalm. Let's rise again. I'm sorry, I know you just stood, but let's stand again. As we hear God's word. This is a song that brings delight to the heart of God. So let us receive it as such. I hate the double-minded, but I love your law. You are my hiding place and my shield. I hope in your word. Depart from me, you evildoers, that I may keep the commandments of my God. Uphold me according to your promise that I may live, and let me not be put to shame in my hope. Hold me up that I may be safe and have regard for your statutes continually. You spurn all who go astray from your statutes, for their cunning is in vain." All the wicked of the earth you discard like dross, therefore I love your testimonies. My flesh trembles for fear of you, and I am afraid of your judgment. I have done what is just and right. Do not leave me to my oppressors. Give your servant a pledge of good. Let not the insolent oppress me. My eyes long for your salvation and for the fulfillment of your righteous promise. Deal with with your servant according to your steadfast love. And teach me your statutes. I am your servant. Give me understanding that I may know your testimonies. It is a time for the Lord to act, for your law has been broken. Therefore, I love your commandments above gold, above fine gold. Therefore, I consider all your precepts to be right. I hate every false way. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just read in these verses the love that the psalmist has for your words. How he devours them, how he craves them, how he looks to them for for leading his life. And I pray that, Lord, through the Holy Spirit, you would guide our heart to that same sort of love and craving and desire. Lord, may we look at these words, not just as words, but as Deuteronomy says, as life, as our life. Open them to our eyes. Open them to our souls. In your name, amen. Please have a seat. I don't know if I told you, a lot of you, the story of how we moved here, but when we moved here to Tonawanda, we had one day to go house shopping. It's not an easy thing to do. You're not going to Costco and running down the aisles and going, well, that looks good, throw it in the cart. I mean, we had to line up nine different houses to go look at in the span of one day. I think we ran our poor realtor to the ground 
ragged. But the very last house we looked at was the house we ended up buying. And I'm not going to say that this was a defining feature why we bought it, but it was pretty cool. As they showed us around the house, they said, well, this is the boys' room. And if you'll notice, we have two bookshelves built into the walls. We're like, oh, that's nice. He says, but they're secret doors. And he opened them up, and both bookshelves swung open, and there were secret compartments behind both of them, little, like, attic spaces. And they had lights in there, and he's like, the kids love these. And I went, my kids are going to flip over this. So obviously, we had to get the house, right? Had to get the one with the secret compartments so Scooby-Doo and his friends could all have some, some good times. But I was thinking about these, these little hiding spaces because I think for many of us, even if we didn't have something quite as fancy, when we were younger, probably a lot of us had hiding spots. We had a hiding place in our house. Maybe it was a closet, a little cubby, some place we could run to when maybe we wanted to get out of our chores, maybe. Or maybe when uh, mom and dad were a little too mad that we painted our dog blue, and we had to go to our hiding place. Maybe you're just having a hard day. It's nice to have a place that's just yours and yours alone. It makes you feel comfortable, makes you feel safe. Nobody bothers you. You go there. That's a good virtue of a hiding place. But sometimes a hiding place can be much more serious and more important. Maybe you're very familiar with the book of the same name, The Hiding Place, by Corey Ten Boom. Uh, she's one of my, my heroes of the faith. And in this book, she talks about how her family, during World War II, they were Dutch Christians. But they saw the Holocaust that was happening against the Jews. And they said, we're not going to sit by. We're going to do something about it. And so they converted their house, bit by bit, to have tons of hiding places. And they brought in Jews, but when the Gestapo would come by to look for the Jews, they would hide them in these hiding spots, under the bed, behind false walls. And through the work of this one family, 800 Jews were saved and passed along out of, out of Nazi-occupied territory before the family was finally captured, and everybody but Corey died in the concentration camps. Well, I was thinking that, that those little secret rooms there weren't just for comfort, but they were life or death. They were protection against real evil. And that when we think of a hiding place, we shouldn't just think of something comfortable, but when we are facing true evil in our life, we, even as adults, need a hiding place. We need a place that we can go when hardship finds us, when life gets a little too tough, and we're like, I'm just about ready to lose it. We need, as the author says here, to not just go to a palace, not to a cave, not to a fort, but into the presence of the Almighty God. That is our hiding place. Well, throughout the Psalms, if you read more than one Psalm, you'll probably notice that a lot of the Psalms talk about protecting God's people. And he uses different metaphors. The most common metaphors we read are, of course, like, God is my fortress. God is my shield. But I think it's kind of cool here that as we go into Psalm 119, he uses a different phrase. And by using a different phrase, the English major in my head goes, that gets your attention. If we read yet another, God is my shield, we go, yeah, yeah, I've heard that before. But when he says, the Lord is my hiding place, it makes us stop for a moment. It makes us meditate on what a hiding place is. It gets our attention, gets us really thinking about it. 
What does it mean that we have a God who functions as a hiding place? Well, after all, this is the same God who provided a refuge for Moses when he was on the run from the Egyptians in the desert. The same God who went up to Noah and said, Noah, the world is going to end. You better build that floating uh, panic room that we talked about. It's the same God who delivered David, who delivered Jesus, who delivered so many people from near death and from oppression. When we might be tempted to look at a lot of these situations in the Bible and say, well, but those were one-time situations, extreme situations. My life's not usually that bad. I don't need a hiding place. Well, that might be pride talking. Because the hiding place of Psalm 119 isn't just for the, the rare outlier. It's not just for the once in a while, the person who's going through extreme stress. It's for all believers to take advantage of. Everybody who places his or her trust in Jesus Christ. And God says that these hiding places are welcoming places. Places that welcome everybody who puts their trust in Christ. Well, I don't know why, but one day, you know how you have random days that just stick in your mind for no good reason? I have one of those that happened. When I was, when I was a kid, I was part of the Gen X uh, generation. I mean, we were a lot of latchkey kids. And so I got home from school. I was usually dropped off, and I had my key in my pocket, and I left myself in my house. My mom was working. My dad was working. So usually it was just me for a little while. I loved it. Having the house to yourself, it was, it was amazing. Uh, but there was one day I got home, got dropped off, went up to my front door, reached in my pocket. There's no key in my pocket. And I always remember this day because I realized that, you know, this is, of course, before cell phones, and none of my neighbors were home. So I sat on that front porch for an hour and a half, waiting for my mom and dad to come home. I know you're crying for me right now. You feel, your hearts are bleeding. It wasn't the worst it really wasn't the worst day. But it always sticks in my mind because that day, my house used to be the most welcoming place in the world where I was coming home from school and I was like, ah, this is where I can unload, where I can kick back, where I can relax. And on that day, my house didn't welcome me. I was no longer welcome there. I remember staring at the front door doorknob and thinking, well, God says we should have faith. He says he'll move mountains. I wonder if I believe hard enough, God will unlock this doorknob. And so I like stared at it like it was a Jedi mind trick for a while. God didn't do that. He wanted to teach me something, I think. But after that day, my parents, they decided that they were going to uh, put a key under a log in the front yard so we would never get locked out again. Then for whatever reason, they've told everybody in the universe about this key. So everybody even slightly knows my parents, know that they can just grab this key and walk into their house. And so our house is now the most inviting place. It's a hiding place for anybody who wants to go. Well, God's hiding place is not a universal one. It is not for every person who lives. Because it's only for those who put their faith in Christ. That is a dividing line. But anyone who has that faith can run and turn to him say, this day, I can't handle it. I need my God. I need to go back to Him. And you don't have to worry about getting locked out. You don't have to worry about forgetting the password. You don't have to worry about going running to your hiding place and seeing a, a sign that says, out for lunch, check back in 45 minutes. No, that door is open to you. It's always accessible. 
is a place that welcomes you because it is a place where you belong. Where you belong. It's a place you can probably will find yourself going to more than once in your life. You're going, well, I'm here again. I can't handle it out there right now, but right here in the presence of God where I can pray to Him, where I can read His words, where I can just relish being near my Lord is where I need to be today. And we're not going to go there and find God saying, you again? Get out of here. Go fight your own battles. We're going to see a God who says, come in. Come in. Sit next to me. Tell me all about it. Tell me about your blahs. Tell me about your hardships. Tell me about your sorrows. I want to hear because I love you. He's going to welcome you into his presence because the Bible says God is always close to the brokenhearted. And those hiding places are filled with the brokenhearted. And it's there that they are mended and tended to and loved and cared for until they are strong enough to go back out. But if the hiding place is for those who are in Christ Jesus, what does this place do for us? I think, what does the Word of God do? Why do we need it to surround us in this hiding place? Well, to answer that, we should see what threatens the author of Psalm 119. In this one passage we read, he lists five different descriptions of the people that are sending him running to this hiding place. Five descriptions of people. He says, they're double-minded, they're evildoers, they're wicked, they're oppressors, and they're insolent. You might be sitting there going, man, this guy's exaggerating. He's like, you know, spending it a little too much, like how we do. We have a little bit of a hard day, but we might exaggerate. Uh, maybe he's describing, it sounds like he's describing here kind of a coup of Hitler's and Stalin's. They're all raying against him. He's making a big deal out of nothing. But the truth is, he's not describing murderers and people who are kicking puppies for fun. He's describing sinful people. He's describing us. Us before we knew Christ. We are the evildoers. We are the double-minded. We are the insolent. We pretended to be good, but we actually sinned in secret. We stubbornly resisted God. We even put down those who had faith before we had faith. And the Bible makes it clear, when you align yourself with Christ, you instantly make an enemy of the world. There's no straddling the fence on this one. You can't make both sides happy. You can't appease God and at the same time make everybody in the world happy with you. John 15, Jesus gives a really hard talk to his disciples. He prepares them for the days to come. And he says this, If the world hates you, it's a mistake because you're a lovely person. They just got to get to know you better. No, that's not what he says. He says, If the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of this world, the world would love you as, your own, as its own. But because you're not, now not of this world, as I chose you out of the world, the world hates you. You can't be both. You are not in the world and in Christ. You're in one or the other. And when you're in Christ, the world hates you because you are redeemed. You will undergo seasons of oppression in your life. You might not even think of them like oppression. But there will be times in your life 
where people just will be giving you a really hard time because of your faith. And let me tell you, the way trends are going right now, we're going to be seeing way more of this in the future. The world is, not, is becoming increasingly unkind to those who have faith, those who are outspoken of their faith, those who live their faith, those who, who stand up and speak up for people who the world says aren't even people. When that happens, I will tell you this, it is not a time to fight back. It is not a time to be mean, to get revenge. It is not a time to pray for hellfire to rain down on the heads of those who are being really cruel to you. It's not time to rub your hands and say, well, but they'll get theirs. They'll be getting their damnation before long. Rather, the Bible is really clear about what our role is to do when we face this kind of oppression. One, we pray for our enemies. We pray for them. We pray that God will change their heart, that God will love them, that God would put their, his faith in their heart, that they would start to love Jesus the way we love Jesus. We are also to love them. How hard is it when somebody strikes you? I read the New, Test, New Testament. I read the Gospels. I read when Jesus is on the cross and he's suffering. I cannot imagine the physical pain, not to mention the spiritual pain, but he's praying and loving the people who are crucifying him. But finally, when it gets too hard, we are to retreat to our hiding place. We are to go there. Isaiah 25.4 speaks of this place. When the prophet prays to God, he says, For you have been a stronghold to the poor, a stronghold to the needy in distress, a shelter from the storm, a shade from the heat. Great descriptions. A relief. That is what we're seeing here. A relief, not God saying, I'm going to take this away from you. But if it gets too hard, come to me, and I'll give you relief. I'll give you a, a pause. The existence of hiding place, of course, points to a need for it. How many of us, just really quick, how many of us had tornado drills in school when you were a kid? Did they do that back in a lot of, okay, a lot of your schools wanted you to die, apparently. Uh, in our schools, we had a lot of tornado drills. A couple times a year, they would say, okay, we're going to do a tornado drill. We're going to get you out of the classroom, and they'll either put you in the bathrooms or in the hallways, away from the windows, right? And you had to crouch down, cover your head, and be prepared. And they said, now, it'll probably never happen. You'll probably never need this. But just in case, this is where we go. This is our just-in-case hiding place. And maybe we think of that when it comes to God. Now, I, I almost never needed a tornado shelter, except one time we were at a summer camp in Michigan, and we had a tornado touch down, and we ran into a kitchen and hid. And that was the only time uh, we needed a tornado. Unfortunately, I died that day, so that was that. But the hiding place of God is not a just-in-case hiding place. It is meant to be used because you will need it. Your life will face oppression. It will face hardship. You will be mocked for your faith. You will experience time where you're, you're butting heads with even people in your family. I read this. I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of nerdy. I, I belong to um, a Reddit called Reformed. And I've seen probably three times this past week alone people saying, I'm Reformed, I believe in Jesus Christ, but my family isn't, or my family's Catholic, or my family's this, and they hate me because of it. 
and I don't know how to deal with this. I don't know how, because they're telling me I'm betraying God for having a faith in the Bible. Or that I'm, I'm believing in something foolish. What do I do? Well, you retreat to your hiding place. Because in your hiding place, you've got the calm presence of the one who loves you. The one who whispers in your ear, stay the course. I am with you. I am for you. I will not forsake you. I will not leave you alone. If you get banged up, dinged up, hurting along the way, come to that hiding place, and the great physician will attend to you. I think it's such a relief that we are not called to fight the world. I can't fight the world. I don't know about you. We can let that anger go. We can let this desire go where I need to stand on the side of the street and scream at everybody and go, you're going to hell unless you believe the right thing. That's not what we're called to do. If we're attacked for our faith, we are to love the people, to pray for them, to testify to the truth of Scripture. But if it gets too much, you've got a place to go. Well, there's one more thing we find out in this passage about this hiding place, and that's who doesn't belong there, who's not allowed to go in. And the psalmist identifies these people in verse 118 and 119 as those who reject the word of God, those who reject his word. In fact, in verse 119, he says, All the wicked of the earth you discard like dross. Dross is a cool word. It's a cool word that describes something really disgusting. But it's a cool word. We don't use it that often, right? Because you're not, probably most of us are not blacksmiths. Probably, probably, not most of us. All right? This is something used in the refining of metal. When you're taking impure ore and you want to bring the pure metal out of it, you refine it with fire and heat. And what you're doing is you're getting rid, you're burning off, casting off all of the dross. There's no use for dross. There's nothing you can do with it. You just throw it out. You toss it out. You're left with a refined metal like silver or gold, but the dross is something you throw out and you don't look at anymore. In the hiding place, in our lives, God's people are refined. We are allowed, we are ordained to go through fire in our life, to go through hardship, to go through struggle, because it makes us better Christians. It makes us more like Christ. It brings out the, our, our spiritual growth in a way that we need. It's not fun. It's not something we're, we're often joyous about in the middle of it. But at the end of it, we look at like, how much stronger we are. How we've seen the truths of Christ come through. We realize it's been a good thing to go through that refining process. We are now more like the sun. But no one and nothing is refining sinners. Sinners are plenty good at sinning all by themselves. They're not becoming better people by themselves. Because God is not refining them. And they are not welcome in a place of refining. Let us not forget that outside of the hiding place is a place we too would be if it was not for the saving grace of Jesus Christ. We too would be dross. We deserve to be. On our own, we, we merit nothing. We brought nothing to the table in negotiations with God. We weren't able to say, God, I am great. I am already 99% of the way there. You just got to take me that 100%. No, we're 0%. We are the dross. 
And God said, no, I want to take you and call you out of your sin and make you more like me. And those invited into that hiding place where they are refined are given a pledge of good. There's another fun little phrase that got my attention. A pledge of good. God promises you that he will be good to you. And that pledge lasts forever. He once again says in verse 124 that in that special place you are dealt with according to God's steadfast love. Remember, steadfast never ends, never ceases, never stops. There's absolutely nothing we have to fear when we flee time and again to our hiding place. It's yet another facet of the gift of grace that we are given. That God says, you know what, you don't have to do it on your own. When life gets too hard, when it gets too struggles, when, when you go, even as an adult, I need my dad. I need to go a place where I can just be healed for a while. A place where I can just cry. A place where I can just pour out my pain, my sorrow, my questions, my struggles. We find that door is open. We find inside his goodness, his healing, his refinement, and his love. That is what our God provides for us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for yet another part of your gift, this hiding place. May we think about it this week, not just think about it, may we use it. That we hide in prayer, that we hide in opening up the words of your scripture and reading its truths. May we hide in just going on a, a walk in nature and seeing your beauty and your creation and being reminded that you are with us showing us, spreading your arms and saying, look at what I made. Look at what I made in you. I make good things. Lord, those are our hiding places. Tend to us right now. Tend to those who are the brokenhearted in this congregation. And Lord, for those who don't have you, who don't have the hiding place, Lord, they need it. We just pray that their hearts would be open to you that they would find themselves convicted of their sin, desperate of a need for you, and come to you, so that, Lord, you may start that refining work in their life as well. And all God's people said, Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. You can listen to other sermons on our website at knoxepc.com forward slash sermons. To reach out to Knox Church or request prayer, send an email to pastor at knoxepc.com or send a text to our prayer hotline at 833-240-1824. That number to text prayer requests to again is 833-240-1824. Please include the word pray in your request. You may write to us at Knox Church, 2595 Elmwood Avenue, Kenmore, New York 14217. Our YouTube channel can be found at youtube.com forward slash at Knox EPC. Thank you again for joining us.